Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. The Ontario government recently released a plan aimed at helping farmers. There are a host of issues challenging all those who put food on our table. The changes are aimed at the food supply chain. That is the path from farm to fork. It looks at what can be done to deal with everything from labor shortages to the use of advanced technology. It also wants to expand the number of Ontario food processors. Believe it or not, a lot of our food gets shipped out of the province or to the United States. Then, it gets turned into the food we eat and shipped back to Ontario. Alan Carruthers, president of the Northumberland Federation of Agriculture, will shed some light on the government's plans, plus bring us up to date on the Federation's activities. Here is that interview. I'm so pleased to have with me today, Alan Carruthers, president of the Northumberland Federation of Agriculture. Welcome to Consider This Northumberland. Thank you, Robert. The Ontario government recently announced a plan to strengthen the food supply chain. Can you tell us how this is impacting farmers in Northumberland? Well, I know, Robert, this is, this is one thing. It, it, the announcement came out on uh, November 28th. Um, as, a, as a member of the Federation of Agriculture, uh, OFA has not had uh, um, very, much, very much time to, to look at the program. I know there's some things and stuff in this program that have been... Uh, asked over the years, you know, put agriculture in the classroom, um, you know, our, our uh, supply, our local supply of food, you know, a lot of, a lot of um, thoughts on local supply of food and stuff like this make a lot of sense to a lot of people developing Ontario food, you know, when it comes to grow local, support local, um, you know, you take into, into some of the comments that the federal government is saying, that you know carbon um the cost of carbon so you know it makes more sense to grow our uh, local food in the province of ontario or or local local municipalities like here in in northumberland county when we don't have to spend a lot on on fuel and and have to pay the extra carbon tax so let's let's unpack a little bit of that because i think you've said some things that are, are really important when we talk about the food supply chain can you give us a, you know, a basic understanding of what that supply chain is and how that works uh, from a farmer's perspective? So every, every year, you know, farmers, you know, whether you're a, a cash crop farmer in that, that farm farms outside, uh, outside the elements or a, uh, a greenhouse, greenhouse farmer who uh, has everything under glass or under plastic, um, you know, we, we are, We've taken an ambition on our ambitious program on that we're going to produce food, whether it be uh, meat, um, you know, grains, vegetables, uh, potatoes, these kind of things. We have to uh, source our 
our fertilizer, our inputs and stuff. We have to source, source our seed um, to grow this product. And then, you know, we, we start planting this, this crop. If it's outside, we, we're, we're prepping our machinery and stuff to, uh, to get the seed properly planted. And we hope that Mother Nature will uh, provide some important elements like uh, rain and heat. And, uh, and then we also supply, we supply our fertilizer, you know, to grow these crops. In a greenhouse, kind of the, the same way, but a lot of stuff is, is grown, uh, you know, very intensified and, and under the plastic and, and uh, uh, glass. So as our, as our food is produced and stuff, we're, we're looking at good quality food. We don't want to have we don't want to have uh, um, disease or or insects and stuff that that uh, um, will make our our crop very unpalatable, I guess, right? or unsightly. No, nobody likes to have great big huge holes in stuff when it goes to the supermarket. So our our uh, once our harvest is is complete, you know, we usually try to source a market. Uh, and we've probably sourced that market before the crop has come to, to harvest. And it, it, is, it is either um, consumed locally or is it's, it's shipped off for, for export to you know, other countries. So you know, as, as our society ages, and I, I don't want to ramble here too much, but we've seen quite a change in the last 40, 50, 60 years with agriculture because a lot of people have left the family farm and they've gone on to you know, pick up trade, you know, in, in the cities and towns uh, away. And, and the, the farmers have been taking on more and more uh, food production because, you know, you look back to, to our parents or our grandparents' time and stuff, they knew a lot more people that had a small farm and they grew their own food and they were able to put that that food in either cold storage or, or ice boxes and stuff like this to preserve it for all winter. And, uh, and as things have progressed, a lot of people have moved away from the farm and we've got our own refrigeration, we've got our own uh, large warehouses and stuff to store our food. So, uh, but what we're really talking about, I guess, in, in terms of food supply chain is, is yep. you know, you talked about the inputs, the fertilizer, the seed that comes to you you know, whatever, all those things that come to the farmer and then you guys produce the food and then it sort of goes upstream to um, either local markets or to processors who then, you know, take a pig and turn it into ham and bacon, right? Or, right. Uh, it, it, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so that's the thing that we're talking, I guess, uh, when we talk about food supply chain. So then when it comes to vulnerabilities within that supply chain where do you see the soft spots where are the weak links in that 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 need to be addressed um some of the marketing some of the uh uh transportation um i know that this fall a lot of crop farmers have have, have had frustrations with delivering their crop to to a port um you know we've we had the the big snowstorm that happened in the Niagara Peninsula area there around the 17th, 18th, to 19th of November, and that shut down a lot of um, accessible transportation to get our market, you know, or get our crop delivered to that port. You know, we've had weather events and stuff aid that that uh, um, in the past that have impeded things. Uh, some of our some of the those weather events are man very manageable. Um, 
some of the other things that, that are hard to to uh, um, justify or justify, but are, are harder to to get by is is the transportation costs. So we've seen an increase in in uh, fuel production or sorry fuel consumption prices that we have to to use to put in our our harvesters, our tractors, our trucks. Excuse me. So. Uh, those those things are there. Some of the markets and stuff. I know that big business they try to source cheap uh, food, and Ontario and, and and this is this is kind of a hard thing to explain, Robert. But um, big business wants to have um, a cheap, reliable source on food. The Canadian Food Inspection Agency has some pretty good, healthy. Uh, requirements and stuff for for growing Canadian uh, Ontario and Canadian food, and the Ontario farmers, Canadian farmers, um, are really uh, we embrace those we embrace those at regulations because we want to have safe, reliable food and stuff grown in grown in Ontario and and in Canada. Um, I know big business wants to pull stuff from um, the Europe, Asia. Um, you know, United States, and we do need to have those markets to to uh, um, be able to to buy other markets or trade in other markets and stuff. You know, to, to keep business going across the country. So, uh, those are some of the things and stuff, a eh, that that are are the challenges for the Ontario farmer. What are the things that the government has has identified are labor shortages? Yes. Talk to me about what farmers in Northumberland experience when it comes to labor shortages? That, 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 that's a hard question because a lot of people say, where have these people all gone? You know, and, and I know that there's, there's always seemed to be a, a, there's always seems to be a labor shortage and stuff in the springtime because we, the farmers get things all prepared and ready to go when we're up at the crack of dawn and, and we get going, we work, work hard. A lot of, a lot of, of uh, farmers have have family members, or they've hired hired even offshore labor and stuff to help because they find that offshore labor is a little bit more reliable um, to source and and to get their crop planted, maintained, and then harvested. Um, I think since the start of COVID, you know, in in 2019 2020, um, a lot of people have the the the, the the paranoia or the uh, uh, lack of lack of wanting to have close contact with some of our workers with, you know, in the in the food industry, nine times out of 10, we're working shoulder to shoulder with somebody else to uh, sort through our our uh, produce. So the I know the provincial government is is trying to entice more people to uh, to the province, I know the Canadian the Canadian government is is wanting to have a pretty healthy uh, immigration policy put in place. They want to have half a million people come to uh, Canada every year, and of course that that's a uh, that's uh, a very double edged sword and stuff when it comes to where are these people going to work, where are these people going to live. So uh, the 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 labor shortage it just seems to be getting more and more. Um, harder to get our our employees or getting people to work for us. Another thing that the Ontario government identifies is what they call declining process capacity. Can you talk to us about 
that aspect and and our ability to process Ontario grown or Ontario raised uh, food in Ontario. Well, I think the the declining process part. A lot of businesses as businesses that process food have left the country. Um, you know, they they. Uh, some of the processing, like I look in, in consideration like sugar beets in, in southwestern Ontario, um, there was a very strong processing group and stuff in, in Lambton, Essex, Kent area for, for producing sugar beets. And their source more or less dried up, closed up business and went across the border. They've been able to bring it back, but not the way it was 20 years ago. Um, a lot of processing companies, you know, they, they find that, excuse me, <coughs> excuse me, um, processing some of the Ontario food, uh, it's been cheaper to grow it in southern, uh, is southern United States, um, closer to a more temperate, more temperate uh, climate, uh, closer to more affordable uh, labor, you know, i.e. Mexico or, or uh, even, even heading down into South America. So we've lost a lot of, of processing in our area. And of course, there was a company in, in Trenton years ago that, that processed peas and, and sweet corn, and that's gone. That's gone. So, so let, let's talk a little bit more about that, because I understand even there's example. For example, hogs sometimes get sent to the United States to be processed and then shipped back to Canada uh, yep. to be sold. Is, is that still a, a case? You yes, know, it is. That? Like there's, there's, there, some of the meat processors and stuff have, have found that the tax implications of running their business in Ontario have been quite expensive and it was cheaper to move to the States or move to Quebec. Um, like I know a lot of Ontario hogs will, they get sourced to either Manitoba or, or the, this, you know, upper United States, you, you know, New York, Michigan, and, or they get sold in, in Quebec. So, you know our 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 meat our, our our meat that we grow for for consumption in Ontario. A lot of it is processed out of the province. So, is it important then that we do have processing capabilities like this in Ontario? Yes, yes. and and you know it, the frustrating part of it is um, provincial government, federal government. There's a lot of there's a lot of taxes that are put on things. The, the cost of labor goes up, the cost of, you know, the cost of running business goes up with, you know, fuel and, and energy. Um, you know, and a lot of companies have been, they look at, they look at the United States stores and say, oh, you know, fuel's cheaper, labor's cheaper, you know, uh, there, there's more, there's more, uh, uh, more processing capabilities there, you know, so, yeah. In its document, the government set up some targets. They talked about an increase of 30% in consumption and production of food grown in Ontario. Is that a realistic goal? Can that be done? It is a very ambitious goal. Um, it's definitely not going to happen overnight. Um, it's going to take a lot of time and stuff to, uh, to get that built up. Um, you know, and, and there has to be a lot of work done. With, uh, with the food processors. They also talk about boosting agri-food exports by 8%. Are there sufficient markets and opportunities for that to happen in Ontario? Um, yes, there is, provided we get the, the, 
the proper environment, the proper, you know, the proper transportation uh, avenues that we can send food that way. Um, you know, as I brought up in you know this past little while with harvesting our crop and taking it to port, um, you know, Port of Prescott or, or to Hamilton Port, you know, it's been hard to get things because of weather or, or traffic or, or you know, whatever. So, you know, and, and of course, a lot of our produce is, is shipped by road. And if we have a bad accident on the 401 or 400 or whatever, it, it, it slows the process. Um, weather, weather can be a problem. So if we get a, a huge snowfall, and we've had huge snowfalls for years, we just have to be able to manage our trucking ability or our transportation ability during those events. So, so when you look at Northumberland, uh, how much would you say of Northumberland's production is exported? That I don't know, Robert. I, I don't know. Um, there, there is a lot of, of, lot of our grain, uh, our corn, soybeans, and wheat stuff that it leaves the area. Um, you know, our, our vegetables, I guess I, you know, I guess I could say that the nights in, in Grafton, a lot of their, their apples are exported out of the area. Um, you know, the amount of food that we produce, obviously not everybody in Northumberland, Northumberland County can uh, eat all that food. So. Uh, Another thing that the government talks about is adoption of technology. What are your thoughts around the adoption of technology so I guess I got to go back a little bit, Robert. So, so back in the 1940s and 50s, there was a lot more uh, farmers in the province that that um, had a had a family. They, you know, they, they were small um, small farms, hundred acres. They had a dairy cow. They had a beef cow. They had some pigs. They had some sheep and the chickens. Uh, they grew their own vegetables. You know, as as a lot of those family members, if they either sold their farm or moved off the farm the the ability to grow our food became more of a challenge for the the existing farmers so we've adopted technologies gps for one so we you know we can we can automate our equipment so we don't have overlap or duplication when we plant our crops or overlap and stuff when we come to harvest we can make our machinery more more efficient so we drive in a straight line and, and we harvest everything in a straight line. Everything's planted in a straight line and everything's harvested in a straight line. Um, the adoption of, of, of using more fertilizers was, was enhanced in the 1940s and 50s. You know, use nitrogen, phosphorus, and potash, which are, are elements and stuff that crops use to grow. You know, so we need to have nitrogen for, for growth. We need to have phosphorus for, for plant health and, pot, and potassium for for plant health. And of course, another elemental uh, thing that we need, and it's, it's always given freely, is water. And uh, the water, we need water and stuff A to, to grow our crops. So the technology and stuff A that, that has, has come about, you know, the, the farms have gotten larger since the 1940s and 50s. There, there's a lot less farmers in the province. So 1% of the population is, is actually farmers. Um, and we're having to feed 100% of the population in the province. So, uh, so we we needed we need to adapt the uh, the technology and the advancements in in machinery and in fertilizers and in, and in uh, crop protection. So, I'd like to shift gears a little bit and I'd like to talk about how, <laughs> what's going on locally. 
So how was the crop this year? And did it did everybody meet their targets? Can you sort of give us an overview of how this year's crops did? I think the crops this year were were pretty good. We had some very decent yields for for winter wheat. Um, you know, for in the the growing of soybeans for for grains and oil seeds, soybeans were a decent crop. Most of the corn is is just about harvested in the province. Probably five percent of the crop is left out to harvest, and of course, part of that has been because it's been harder to get to, to transportation or to export. The, the, the forage crops like the, the hay and the alfalfa and stuff, I think it was a good crop this year for, mo for most livestock producers. Um, you know, we did have, we did have uh, uh, some hot, dry weather and stuff. It affected certain parts of the province, certain parts of, our, of Northumberland County, of course. You know, if you, if you have um, soils that are, are a little bit more high in, in gravel or sand and stuff like this capabilities. They didn't they didn't fare as well for yields, but you know we had some timely rains across the across the county. Um, I think our crop average is pretty close to what it was last year, maybe a little bit less than last year, but I think most farmers, not all farmers, but most farmers are are happy with their yields. When I was talking to farmers back in the spring, one of the big issues due to the uh, war in Ukraine was fertilizer because yes. they produce a great deal. Can you tell us or update us at least on that situation and how it's unfolded? So the, so the Canadian government put a 35% uh, tariff on uh, uh, bringing Russian fertilizer because we get a lot of our fertilizer from from Russia, especially nitrogen sources. And in, uh, in the, the federal government's infinite wisdom, thinking that they wanted to punish the, uh, the Russian government by um, putting a 35% tariff on fertilizer, it inadvertently put a, a penalization on us, on the Ontario and Canadian farmer, of a 35% increase in fertilizer. So we were, we were faced with a, with a, a lot higher price of, of fertilizer this year, and it frustrated us um, because the the fertilizer suppliers and stuff couldn't couldn't even tell us exactly where the price of fertilizer was going to go until it was until it was delivered. And the fertilizer industry is still trying to get that thirty five percent tariff back from the federal government. We feel that's a very unfa un, uh, unfavorable uh, disadvantage to Canadian farmers. And then of all the all the the G7 and G, G20 countries, Canada was the only one that did this. So we're blaming our federal government. This, so, uh, and it, it was very frustrating and it, and it still is frustrating because the cost of fertilizer is so much higher. Everybody is feeling the impact of inflation. And you've alluded to it earlier when you were talking about fuel prices and the additional costs of putting gas in a tractor and, and uh, your equipment, et cetera. How else has inflation impacted farmers in Northumberland? We, we find it very hard to uh, plan a budget on, on growing our crop and marketing our crop. And if we don't know what our fuel prices are going to be when, when it comes to harvest, it's very frustrating. And, I, and I'm going to take an example of, of my, uh, my fuel bill that, that I get I get diesel fuel supplied from a supplier down 
to the east of us. And uh, we were able to lock in some prices in the last couple of years, lower prices for, for diesel fuel. And then those companies did away with those uh, lock-ins and we were, we had to take the price of what was there. So, and I have to, I, I'm going to be very, very upfront. My, my fuel cost when I got a bill in early September was $1.32 a liter for, for uh, uh, diesel fuel. And as we watched the fuel prices at the pump climb, we saw that price climb even when we got the, the fuel price and stuff. And I'm going to say in a period of about six weeks, uh, fuel prices went up 65 cents, you know, for, to the farmer. So uh, I've never paid that high a price for diesel fuel ever. Um, and, it, and it is a challenge. It's a challenge for everybody in the province, you know, and, and the, the federal government and the world exports and stuff of, of fuel have, have, it's been a challenge and stuff to, to get affordable fuels for everybody. Another factor that has played on the economy has been high interest rates. How have those impacted farmers in Northumberland? Kind of the same way as fuel. Like we get a little, we get a little nervous when we see uh, increase in interest rates, you know, like I was around, I was around and got my first loans and stuff in the, in the early eighties when interest rates went to 22%. Um, mortgages back there, there was a lot of mortgages in that 17, 18, 19, 20% range. Now, a lot of people say, well, that's, that's really hot. Now it's like six and a half, seven, eight percent um, When you have borrowing capacity and you know, we look at, at a couple of years ago when interest rates were very, very low at 3%, 3.5%, um, you know, those prices have, have almost doubled, almost tripled in, in that last couple of years. Back in, in 1979 and 80, it was like 16, 15, 16, and then it went to 22%. It didn't double. It went to, uh, you know, it increased by 35, 40%. But it, you know, it, it, I look at it today, our interest rates have, have more than doubled. So not, not like the 80s, but it is, it is still fairly critical because it was kind of hard to, to make a 20% profit just to cover your, your, uh, your, financial, your financial obligations to the bank or mortgage companies back then. So We've talked about a lot of challenges. I, I'd like to talk for a moment about some of the successes. What over the last year has been some of the high points for the Northumberland Federation of Agriculture. Uh, Northumberland Federation of Agriculture, we did uh, we we did a uh, uh, a barbecue for migrant workers, you know, and it was a it was a, a very uh, uh, quickly put on um, event and stuff. We were able to to pull migrant workers, you know, from from various farms in the in the county. It was received. I believe we had over 80 people that were at uh, the barbecue. There was obviously there were some farms and stuff that were missed. We, you know, we feel we feel a little sorry that we didn't get to everybody, but it's kind of hard to get everybody. The Federation of Agriculture also did a, uh, a municipal um, politician tour uh, back in in uh, in August before the before the. Uh, municipal elections went on and we had we had our uh, member of, of like our, our federal member on the tour we had a lot of potential municipal politicians on so we got to tour the uh, the new tco agrimart fertilizer plant in colburn 
and then we we got to see some of the technology technological advances at the Burnham family farms there between Covert and Porto and then we were able to go to uh, uh, an organic beef farm uh, run by Ian and Ian and Marlena Stolthorpe and stuff there west of Port Hope. And uh, we talked about uh, uh, rotational grazing for this beef cattle. So, you know, we, the Federation of Agriculture has always been trying to educate our, our politicians, our public. You know, we want to be able to empower, empower some of the people and stuff to make our, make our lives a little bit more understandable, I guess. And uh, I know Northumberland, Northumberland Federation of Agriculture has, has been able to uh, pat ourselves in the back over that for the last 10, 15 years. So. so what's on the horizon for the Federation in 2023? Uh, I guess you got to bring your problems, get, get, bring some of your problems to us. I think probably energy is going to be a problem. Um, education education of, of growing clean, clean, affordable food is going to be one of the things. Um, I think that, uh, um, you know, our, our, you know, you, you alluded to the, to the uh, employment problems. Um, I think that there's going to be more issues with that. And I know that we always try to evolve, you know, and, and try to work on our problems and stuff that are coming. One of the biggest concerns and stuff, I think, um, Northumberland, Northumberland Ag, and I think Ontario Ag has, is the new uh, new bill, Bill Twenty Three, that the province of Ontario has put out. And there's a lot of lot of things that may cause an awful lot of grief and cause a lot of money, or consume an awful lot of money for the farmer and the and the the Ontario communities. So. Alan Crothers, I want to thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you, Robert. That was Alan Crothers, president of the Northumberland Federation of Agriculture. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.